Hello and welcome to Football, the podcast where football meets politics. I'm Dr. Francesco Belcastro, one of one of your co-hosts, and here with me is my co-host, Dr. Guy Burton. Hello, Guy. Hello. How are you? I'm good. 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 So, uh, yeah. Are you feeling the festive spirit or not yet? Mm, give me a little bit longer. I'm 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 gr- I'm usually grumpy. I don't like to see Christmas decorations go up or Christmas songs start until the day before. <laughs> so okay. you can imagine, for the last couple of weeks, it's been mad. Well, hopefully today's episode will cheer you up. Mm-hmm. You've got a really, really good one. You know, you know what the topic is today, guy. Yes, we're going to be talking about football in Saudi Arabia. It's amazing we've waited this long, isn't it? <laughs> we have waited a lot, uh, quite a while, but we needed to find the right guests. Yeah, uh, I think it was very important. I think we got them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly confident. I'm really confident that we do, because um, we got. Yeah, and I'm hoping this. And I'm hoping it's going to be a slight, slightly different angle from you know the usual because there's been so much said about Saudi Arabian football since the summer, hasn't there? So, or actually even earlier since you know Ronaldo went at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, talk about talk about the guests. Yeah, there's been a lot a yeah. lot of talking about it, but we actually found two people that have been mm. watching Saudi football live, I think, as well, uh, and also two academics. Um, they are they are Ayad Rifai, who is a PhD student at Lancaster University. Yeah, he's also a faculty member at King Abdulaziz University uh, in Saudi Arabia, where he teaches politics, um, different subjects in the area of politics. Um, he's also a football fan. Um, and our other guest is Aziz Algassian. Um, he holds a PhD from the University of Essex. He's a, um, an academic and also a commentator on different aspects of politics and international relations in the Middle East. And both of the guys have, uh, let's say, a soft spot for um, European clubs as well as as for um, Saudi clubs. So, could we start by by talking a bit about your football allegiance, Ayad and Aziz? Please, Ayad. Uh, I'm a very big Liverpool fan. So I started supporting Liverpool when I was like around five years old. And when it comes to Saudi Arabia, I'm a little had Jeddah fan. So uh, if you ask me why I'm still uh, a fan of Liverpool, even though Saudi Arabia is, you know, witnessing a very high development regarding football. Well, I do have a very, you know, solid memories when it comes to Liverpool. And uh, I kind of have this sense of solidarity and also interesting sense of identity that might be, you know, discussed later when it comes to football and, you know, your foundation era regarding, uh, you know, knowing football so so yeah that's that's my allegiance Aziza by yourself it's interesting because I well first I just want to say it's great to join you guys thank you very much for having me and it's good to join you yeah I I think my my football uh, passion I think began uh, in the late 90s early 2000s because I was brought up in the United States and then speaking of football I was very much a follower of the other football the NFL football Mm -hmm. And then I was a Cowboys fan. And then, and then when I moved back to to Saudi, I, I that's when I first got introduced to to different uh, football European teams, and I, I I was just in love. The first team was Manchester United, and I was like, whoa! The, 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 I don't know what they're doing, but it's awesome. And then and then I started seeing Real Madrid, and then I started seeing Barcelona. And it was those were the three teams. And then I was like, man, every time I see one of these teams, I say, that's my favorite team. Mm. And then I'm like, right, I can't can't keep doing this. So I I started, I chose Barcelona because Mm. of the colors. So I was like, the colors are so distinctive. So from 1999 and 2000, that that was my favorite team. 
And then I, I just never stopped following it. Since. And you also have a Saudi team, do you? Oh, yeah. My, my, my team is the Hilal team. So in the family, it's quite a, a rival. It's, it's kind of a touchy subject because there's some that are that are on the other side of the Al-Nasr, which is where Ronaldo plays. And then I'm, I'm in the Hilal team, which my uncle used to work in. I think he got my, my cousin to play for the team. So then my cousin was 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 a name in the team in, in the 90s. Uh, uh, and so Al-Hilal was just basically the, the team the team for me. But can I ask, I mean, you know, because it's interesting that both of you have, you know, a European team and a Saudi team. And I imagine this yeah. is kind of something similar for many Saudis back, you know, in the country. And th- so this, this nature of this kind of very fluid ability to have identity that straddles home and abroad i mean where does it come from why do you think that that is i think there is a, a distinctive culture when it comes to football and i think it's a global one so you would find the same you know status when if you go to africa or if you go to a place like indonesia people would also support a local team and then an international one and that's very interesting because it's only i think a football dynamic Mm -hmm. if you go to other sports it's not similar but Mm -hmm. when it comes to football and i think it's also it's not a new you know it's not a new thing it's 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 been the situation since the 1960s you have actually uh, when it comes to liverpool you will have liverpool uh, supporter clubs in different areas of the world you know Mm -hmm. and those are those have very strong legacies. Uh, it's the norm in Saudi Arabia actually to have a local team and then an international one, mainly a European one. But it's very interesting to witness this when it, in the in the next few years, uh, especially with Saudi teams competing on international level. So it's very interesting to witness. Can I ask you guys how how is the league going so far? It's been what five months, four months into into the new season. Um, has been obviously a, a a very different one from the previous ones in, in terms of, of the Saudi League, just because of the attention that's been towards it, as well as the new players. What's your assessment? How is it going? Has it been successful so far? It's been very successful. Uh, and I think it achieved the um, the the objectives, the non-financial objectives, in my opinion. So I think you have a great deal of excitement that is taking place here. I think what the decision makers wanted from bringing these massive uh, names here and at least in discussions about bringing other names is that now it's starting to be an international mm-hmm. league starting to be you know to gain a lot of attention and it was just a few days ago and not even that i think it's just after ronaldo st- uh, started uh, playing i was watching uh, cnn and then all of a sudden uh, al nasser played with this and the ronaldo al nasser and, and i was like that's the first time I think I've ever seen Al Nasr on, on CNN. So uh, and talk about the Saudi league on CNN. So I, it's 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 becoming very um, it's becoming uh, they're achieving the overarching kind of objective. It's become a lot more competitive. I think really bigger teams have started to be, you know, started to see other uh, started to see mm-hmm. more resistance, especially with you know other teams that. Uh, so all, all these players aren't going to go. It's not like the Galactios mm. of Real Madrid, where all of them started going to one place. This is kind of like a a, a league Galactios. You know, they kind of spread it all over. So it made it really interesting to to see there's more competition and more excitement around. Mm. Okay, can I ask Iyad, um, bring you in here? So, I mean, why is the, has there been so much interest? 
let's talk a little bit about sort of why there's been so much interest in the Saudi League, hence why we're doing a podcast about it. Aziz has already alluded to the fact that see, these non-financial elements mm-hmm. have, have been successful. But maybe you could talk a little bit about what was the motivation for all of this investment in the first place. I mean, which began at the start of the year with Cristiano Ronaldo arriving at Al-Hilal back in January. Um, you know, could you tell us a little bit, provide some context to the listeners as to why the Saudis are doing this? Well, I think it's related to Saudi Vision 2030 project that wants to open up the society, open up the country to have more investments, to to actually attract more people from globally, I mean. And I think football and sports sectors, I mean, when it comes to Saudi investments, it's not only uh, related to football, but there are uh, other investments in golf and in in basketball and different kinds of, of, of sports. So it, yes, uh, so it, it, it's, it's part of, of a program that goes really beyond football and it 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 also goes beyond financial uh, you know uh, when wins uh, myself and Aziz went to Al Nasser and Abha match on the 5th of October I think and I actually was very impressed by the diversity of the fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a football fan and I've been visiting football stadiums in Saudi Arabia like in the last 30 years. I never seen such a diversity with young kids, uh, male and female, you know, mingling with each other. So it's 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 very interesting scene to witness. So that move is not only for financial gains, but also will help to open up the society because Football is very big in Saudi Arabia, and I I keep mentioning this that during the last forty years when Asahwa controlled Saudi Arabia, football stadiums were the only place for expression when it comes to the public. If I could bring Aziz in here, you know, talk, talking about sort of the Agenda Twenty Thirty as being kind of almost the motivation for this. But one of the things that I'm really struck by is that if you look at the Gulf states. You know, Saudi Arabia is not unique in this respect of having a, a diversification strategy. I mean, all the other countries are doing it. Qatar's doing it. The UAE is doing it. Bahrain, Oman. I wonder to what extent the Saudis are the only ones who are doing it with some reference to sport. And is sport and football not really on the agenda for the other countries simply because they don't have kind of the football culture that that Saudi Arabia has? No, I, 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 I think they do have the same culture uh, that Saudi Arabia has. I mean, it, when you look at this, for example, I mean, it, it wasn't long ago that Qatar was uh, hosted the two uh, last year's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they were doing this, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the. So what is taking place now? I remember in the early 2000s, I think Qatar was doing the same thing mm-hmm. uh, with Al-Rafa uh, and Al-Rayyan. I think it was those are the teams, and for example, players like Batistota mm-hmm. uh, was there, um, and so they, you know, and others, and, and even Pep Guardiola. Mm. Pep Guardiola then ended up going there. Um, so uh, I, I, they, the thing is, the the, the other Gulf countries, uh, Qatar, UAE in particular, um, they started their diversification a lot earlier than Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. did. You know, and and this is the issue, and is that, and also there, um, while there they have big politics and they they have uh, agency, they, they uh, I think the Saudi agenda and the Saudi scope is a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a lot bigger. It, it it is a bigger country. You know, it is a bigger country. It is a bigger responsibility. So everything has to be grander. 
Uh, and, and, and the fact that, you know, for Saudi now, you know, this excitement it, it speaks to something else. It speaks to, one can also say mm -hmm. an urgency, uh, an overarching urgency that's taking place in the region now. That, you know, this is, we have to start diversifying. Otherwise, it is not, I mean, it's going to be too late uh, for us. So we're going to, we're going to really reach an obstacle in our uh, rebuilding uh, process uh, of our economy and, and the state. So, I mean, of course, now, while I don't want to talk too much about politics, but for example, um, currently, unfortunately, there's a, a, against the backdrop of this, there's a war in Gaza. Um, mm. And, you know, some people have been asking, well, why is Saudi Arabia not stopping these uh, Riyadh season, mm -hmm. for example, and, and all this kind of tourism, domestic tourism that's taking place. And the reality is that this this is not a desire for Saudi Arabia. Saudi, uh, you know, the economy and stimulating the economy is not a, a, a preference. It's an existential mm -hmm. question. The, the reconstructing its economy, diversifying its economy, uh, social reforms. This is an existential question that Saudi Arabia, you know, they, they have to do this now. They already feel like it's too late. The benefit that the, the other Gulf states had is that they started a lot earlier, mm. you know, and that's why there's actually inter GCC discussion of who is mm -hmm. mimicking who, mm. you know, and 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 actually who uh, has the benefit of of you know ever a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, attention is being paid on Saudi, but sometimes others will say, hey, you know, we're the ones that started this, mm. uh, but I, I think they started it with a lot less intensity than Saudi Arabia does mm -hmm. for, for the reasons I just mentioned. Just to add on this point, they were also in the UAE and Qatar, they were also attracting and really targeting Saudi football fans because Saudi Arabia is the backbone when it comes to people in the Gulf. So they were also attracting Saudi Arabia when it comes to what they have done since 2000 until 2010. Mm -hmm. And Saudi add. players. Yes, and they indeed. they were trying to get Saudi right. players too. Yasser Ghattani, right? Yes. Yeah. He also tried to go there. So um, that's that's very interesting. And, and I think a lot of listeners wouldn't know that. Could they could they perhaps go back to uh, Ayad's point earlier? Because while it's true that these investments are new, as, as you guys kind of alluded to, unlike other countries that we mentioned, Saudi Arabia has got a long history of football and has got quite a, quite a strong um, sort of history of, of internal dynamics with like regional rivalries or, or intercity rivalries. What effect does this new uh, uh league uh setup and this new investment have on the on the kind of old differences are we still seeing like the main clubs dominating are we still seeing the same rivalries or has this changed completely well it's 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 really growing more uh, you know more 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 competitive actually between the four big old four clubs with, who are al nasr and al hilal from riyadh and al ittihad and al ahli from jeddah I mean, I'm just witnessing what is going on when, on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's on X right now, not Twitter. Uh, it's it's very interesting discussions uh, that is going on in the Saudi society between those clubs. And I just witnessed last night a Twitter space that ha had around 10,000 listeners 
So more than all the political spaces on Twitter, when it comes to the Saudi society, they had more followers on the sport uh, the space that was discussing this week, today's matches between Al-Ittihad and Al-Ittifaq. On, on, and Al-Ittifaq is actually an interesting case to discuss. So Al-Ittifaq was not a very big mm-hmm. club uh, it was a mid-level club in the Saudi mm. football. It, it it really, you know, it achieved two leagues. However, this year with Steven Gerrard coming in and uh, the, the club have, have been seen very interesting, uh, successful story uh, that it, it continues. So they are in the third position right now, which is interesting to witness. And they have been more successful when it comes to attracting new and young players. Um, they have uh, De Marais, who is the young English player. They have also um, uh, a defender who, who used to play also in the Premier League. He is young. He's around 24. I forgot his name. However, they are attracting, uh, you know, different level of players. And it is you know, bro- proving to be successful story. So I would add... Uh, Is that Jordan Anderson indeed, club? Yes, you're well, right. Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. So it's going to be a Liverpool indeed. taste to it. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. Why you, that's why you are talking favorably. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I'm, I mean, actually, Steven Gerrard is, 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 is really being interesting in the last uh, three months since, uh, when it comes to the Saudi football scene. He's been, you know, hosted in different platforms and been saying, you know, promising stuff when it comes to his future in Saudi Arabia so that's that's a story to be discussed later that's but that's you know that is what you say Iyad is 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 very interesting about sort of the the character sort of the nature of the players that are going over right now because one of the things that's I, I suppose some people have looked at this investment or this activity on the Saudi side and said isn't this just what the Chinese Super League was doing a decade ago or before that, you know, the the Americans, you know, back in the 70s when they brought Pelé and over. But I think a lot of those players were kind of kind of coming to the end of their careers rather than starting out. So it's it's quite striking what you say about it being younger players that they're also bringing in. Just to, to add to your point, uh, Guy, if I may, uh, th- this is actually also Saudi done this before. Uh, they're not new to kind of bringing uh, big names. Uh, that may be towards the end of their careers, yes, but uh, they're big names. So I think one of the first big names came, I think, was in the 70s with Ravelino. And mm. that was the time that became, that was like a big, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a massive thing. Uh, and I, apparently it was said that I think that they wanted them to come, but then they were kind of debating of who would pay for, for, the the situation and then there was kind of this kind of confusion taking place but uh at the end i think it was um of course the state intervened and then they paid they paid him just you know but i think the so saudi did try to bring these big names before there are presidents in saudi saudi i think the football history however i think now what they're trying to do is they're trying to institutionalize it a lot more and I think they're they're really investing in it. So they're mm-hmm. they're actually investing in the league, in the quality of the league through bringing these names rather than investing in individuals only. Uh, and I think this is precisely what what is what what makes it different. So there is this president of spending money, but this is now a lot more of investing the league, trying to make it something, trying to make it a a hub, a regional hub for football, 
I think that in Vision 2030 is also like a, a view of uh, developing the domestic football also at, at grassroots level, right? So there's this idea that players, big players in the country will also inspire young people to play football. So it's not only like the sort of fleshy aspect, there's also like a kind of almost public health dimension to it. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. So Saudi Arabia has a very, uh, you know, significant uh, percentage of obesity and also of, of uh, you know, illness that is uh, are related to uh, obesity. So it, it is one of the targets of, of, of the sport agenda to have more actually healthy society. And that can be seen not only when it comes to football, but also when it comes to different sports. So right now in Saudi Arabia, you would find different uh, multiple parks in, in all the cities that have sports facilities for free to be used from uh, by the public. And they would have this encouragement actually uh, in signs when you go to a mall or you when you go to a shopping place, signs that really, you know, uh, support having more, uh, you know, physical movement when it comes to the public. So this comes in hand actually with, and I would also add to this that all of this really related to Vision 2030. So it is a package. And as Aziz said, uh, Saudi Arabia had a history of, uh, you know, having famous players. However, with the social liberalization, it is more attractive to come to Saudi Arabia. In the in the in the past, Saudi Arabia wasn't very attractive to you know for for international players because it, it was a very closed society. Right now, it, it they have this you know incentive that it is more liberal, so that would help uh, with you know having more uh, significant players. But that's you know the 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 the, the health uh, angle is very uh, significant when it comes to the agenda of sports. If memory serves me, you know, back in the UK, we had when we had what they were putting forward or the government was supporting the bid for the London Olympics back in 2012. An important component of the bid was what's the legacy going to be? And the legacy wasn't just going to be about elite sports, but also encouraging more grassroots sporting activity. Although, I mean, when you look at the data from a decade on, Uh, The results have not been positive, maybe partly because of austerity in the UK. um, So cutting of public spending and what what you're saying about, you know, there being more investment at the grassroots, more sort of more park park space. That's quite it's quite interesting and quite striking. I mean, I guess one question I would have to that is given the nature of you know, given where Saudi Arabia is and, you know, for a large part of the year, it is a very hot place, very difficult to go out and you know sort of in the middle of the day and do this kind of thing so how do how do we get around that how do we sort of encourage more sporting activity uh yeah. you know given given the, the the way saudi arabia is uh, so there is there is a very interesting example that took place uh, last month or in september actually 2023 mm. which is the cool olympic games so they have this uh, around 30 or 40 schools around Saudi Arabia, they have their uh, Olympic Games in a closed stadium or a closed arena that would, you know, be, be, you know, doable in Saudi Arabia that especially during the summer, because it's very harsh summer, they, we got in Saudi Arabia, it gets to 50 or more than 55 uh, degrees. So yeah, they, they have this closed arenas and they are actually building more of this, uh, because they are going to host the, the next World Cup that we might going to discuss later. Mm. So that's the way to, to, to challenge this. Otherwise, it is very difficult weather and environment in Saudi Arabia.
And we we also like to play at night. We are night creatures. That's right. And, yeah, and we everything is really done at night. Even work is at night. So mm -hmm. uh, not only football, but even brains don't tend to work very well in in in, in the heat. So yeah. we tend to we tend to a lot of the games. That's why a lot of the games are either in the afternoon, uh, late afternoon, or mostly um, in, in the evenings around eight, nine. Uh, and it's interesting is that it's always kind of after Ishapur is after the last prayer, which yeah. means it, it doesn't get interrupted sometimes, but um, for prayers, but it's uh, yeah. And, and I think it's, it's, it's a lot more manageable weather when it's at night. You know, Iyad alluded to the, you know, Saudi Arabia getting the 2034 World Cup. So I wonder if we can talk a little bit about that. I mean, what are the next steps? What What is the government going to be doing now? Because you mentioned a little bit about the stadiums, you know, sort of they're, they're being sort of closed for, you know, sort of grassroots sporting activities. But presumably there's going to be a, a massive uh, rebuild or reconstruction of existing stadia is that going to be the case um you know, or are they just going to sort of renovate what's 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 already out there and i guess also i mean are we going to see changes to the football calendar again i mean are we going to have right now the asian games yeah. is or is sort of timed for the same time as when the world cup would happen so there's a bit of a problem in terms of timing maybe moving it from the well and we've just talked about it yeah. you know sort of the world cup normally being a summer event turning that into a winter one. So, uh, Iyad, please. Uh, I mean, uh, there are... Uh, so the plan is... Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia will have uh, around the 27 stadiums when uh, when 20... Uh, I mean, when 2034 arrives. Uh, 10 that already uh, are uh, built, but they are going to re be redeveloped. And uh, uh, 17, uh, uh, they are going to be, you know, newly built. Uh, so uh, those, some of them, some of them will be closed stadiums and some of them would have air conditioning facilities. I would think that the World Cup would be in November or December or in the winter uh, months because it's not all, all only for football players, but also for fans are going to attend in Saudi Arabia it is it is going to be very challenging to have those fans you know uh, coming to Saudi Arabia in the summer so it would help also for having the fans coming and also for for financial uh, reasons not only for sporting reasons so they have uh, actually around 10 stadiums that they are, they are going to redevelop and 17 new stadiums that are going to build mm. because they are going uh, in Saudi Arabia the Asian Cup uh, going to be hosted in 2027, so they need to have those stadiums ready by 20, uh, 2027, at least the 10 that they are going to redevelop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do a 40, 48 team Indeed, competition yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, obviously, from a kind of Western perspective, there's been quite a lot of criticism of, of the use of uh, sport and the term sport washing, which has been applied to Saudi Arabia as well as to other other countries. But we were wondering, sort of seeing it from the other side, um, we have had Saudi teams traveling around Asia with their with their you know big stars for the for the Asian um, Champions League, and uh, uh, we will have the World Cup in Saudi Arabia in, tw in 2034. What's the view from from policymakers and from academics like yourselves in 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 uh, Saudi Arabia? Has that been successful so far uh, the the use of sport as a policy tool i wouldn't i wouldn't use sport washing because i think it's got the 
negative connotations. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for like sport as a policy tool as a more neutral thing. Is it working? You'd say. Uh, what's your assessment? Obviously, it's very early days, but no, I think uh, in my opinion, um, it, it it it's clear that it's becoming a vehicle for the internationalization of Saudi Arabia. And that's what the, the policymakers really want. They want to, to make sure that Saudi is open for business and also that the, investing in something that I think a lot of people could coalesce around um, in Saudi domestically. And also the fact that this is an illustration of entering into the markets, uh, into things that many Saudis can see. You know, when many Saudis view uh, goes back to one of the earlier points of um, very kind of world-class um, leagues like the Premier League. And then all of a sudden you see Noon, a Saudi company, and then you see uh, Newcastle. And it's like saying, well, you know, we are we are competing here. And I think slowly but surely they are dancing to the tune that uh, the Saudi elite want to hear. Because I think the language that they're investing in um, or the language that they want is investment. And mm-hmm. Saudi foreign policy is really becoming now more economic driven more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's very much, this is, you know, it, it's very much playing into really what, what they would want. So uh, although it's early days to see the, the, the raw data and the comparing and contrasting uh, for now, I don't think they would be too eager to see exactly how much profit and benefit they've made i think that they're not looking for profit at the stage i think they're looking mm-hmm. far more for impact and i think mm-hmm. that's already being being made okay. uh, just so add something on when it comes to policy makers it's been very interesting to follow how saudi teams uh, saudi football teams being received in different arab countries or middle eastern countries with those big names like cristiano ronaldo and kareem benzema it's very interesting when it, when they when Al Ittihad and and Nasser or Al Ittihad where Benzema plays and Nasser where Cristiano Ronaldo plays when they visited Tehran and Iran Asfahan and Tehran they were received by the governor of Tehran and uh, the governor of Asfahan uh, actually Cristiano Ronaldo was very celebrated uh, publicly and uh, many uh, you know, company leaders and many societal, uh, let's say from the elite class in Iran, visited Ronaldo and visited Al-Nasr. So that's very interesting dynamic. And the Saudi ambassador actually hosted them uh, in two receptions, which is very interesting. So it is almost a political treatment rather than a sports treatment. Mm. So actually, even even with this uh, celebratorial, you know, uh, reception of Al-Ittihad and Al-Nasr in Iran, uh, they had, you know, very interesting and very also negative experience. Al-Ittihad uh, uh, game against, uh, I think, Asfahan uh, was interrupted by a, a statue of Qasem Soleimani was placed in the stadium. So Al-Ittihad players and its administration refused to play because... Uh, uh, this goes against the FIFA uh, laws of not having political and religious, uh, you know, flags or statues in the, in these stadiums. So actually, uh, in the last two weeks, uh, uh, the Asian Federation decided to give Al-Ittihad the three points of that match. Um, so that that's how it ended up, that case. Mm-hmm. But the Iranian team is going to play with Al-Ittihad in next week. So that is, you know, a positive Thing to have so it is it, it, it did not 
went very negative uh, when it comes to the relationship of both federations. And actually, the Saudi and the Iranian federations met a week after that incident to to review to review it and to go to have more collaboration between both of the federations so maybe it's a, it's a sign that football reflects the shift in dynamics in the in the region isn't it that's very interesting yes indeed interesting yeah, yeah. i just want to make i mean he had mentioned one point about the kind of the political signs and insignia and etc and i and i just wanted to say this because i think in the, in the past few weeks uh, I know it's not in the, well. It's something about the Middle East and uh, a, a different dimension about the politi- football and politics in the Middle East. So I, I think in Liverpool there was kind of a massive. Uh, there was a, a a viral video that went uh, online about uh, I think someone in the stands having a Palestinian flag, mm-hmm. and then they were they were kind of told to remove it, uh, and then the person said, "Well, when you're telling, but." You know, you you don't want to show any signs, but when it was against the in the war of Ukraine last year, uh, Ukraine was literally plastered everywhere, uh, and and I think this is something that many people uh, are picking up on, and I think it's just how because this goes into sports washing also. You know, is that there, there is a contradiction a lot of the times in what kind of political symbol symbolisms can be used and other political symbolisms can be. Uh, not used. And also yeah. this kind of speaks to another point about sports washing is that when is it sports washing and when is it kind of investment uh, and and just cultivating a, a real culture? I mean, I heard something very insulting that Roy Keane said. He said football shouldn't be here when when he was talking about commentating on on the uh, and got the World Cup. How people, you know, they, they treat football as very universal and for everyone. But it's not really for everyone, um, and, and I think there's like a hege- hegemonization of who gets to be part of the football family and who isn't. And then, and we're here in the Middle East. We're really trying to, uh, we're struggling. I won't say we're struggling, but we're there is the struggle of being considered on par with with other kind of football legacies around the world. And it just speaks to uh, perhaps an implicit asymmetry there in the perception. So it speaks to a bigger thing. That's all. That's all. Roy Keane, if you're listening, we're inviting yeah. you to a to a podcast duel with Aziz. Yeah. <laughs> Later exactly. on, you're getting touched. You're gonna slide tackle me and try to get my knees out, and I'm sure you can fight back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust me, I can. <laughs> so, can I just ask whether or not, um, you know, the current war war in Gaza is being manifested in any way uh, in Saudi football? In my opinion. Uh, not really. Uh, I, I don't see it being manifested uh, I, uh, clearly or explicitly in Saudi Saudi football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What you, well, yes, and this goes with the political culture of the Saudi yes. society. It is not, uh, when it comes to football, it is not very preferred by the government or by the teams themselves to to attach any political, you know, status to to football uh, matches so it's it's very you know very significant and very also uh, debated issue in it, when it comes to Saudi football stadiums and it's not actually new it's been it's been the yeah. case since the last 40 or 50 years should uh, you know should we have political stances when it comes to football or should we you know isolate between football and 
politics and actually this is the you know the 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 controlling uh, narrative right now it's football shouldn't be mixed with politics that's Thank so you. interesting and and i think it, it'd be interesting to see if that continues if, if the game Indeed. becomes more popular whether it's difficult to sort of isolated from from these mm. um yeah different views i would say mm -hmm. all right well thank you very much it's been really really fascinating thanks for your time uh we will have thank to, you to have you back later on as the as the world later. cup uh, uh preparations start to get okay. to get some feedback on that guy yeah. do you want to add something well, yes, I hope we're not going to have to wait, you know, 13 years until whenever the, the 2034 World Cup is before we have them back on, whether we're still going at by that point. But yeah, just to sort of say thank you. Thank you so much, both Iyad and Aziz, for coming on and sharing uh, what's what you've told us. Just to say that, uh, as ever, we are more than welcome and you know keen to hear from listeners as to uh, what they thought about the episodes, uh, whether they've got any ideas of episodes they'd like us to do, people that they'd like us to talk to. And you can reach out to us on all the various social media that we use, which is Twitter or X, as it's now called, Blue Sky, Facebook, uh, and we even have an Instagram account. Um, it just leaves it for me to say, Francesco, what are we talking about next week? So next week, we're talking to Scott Coyne of the Belgian Football Podcast, the podcast that follows the game uh, down there in Belgium. And uh, um, and we also need to remind our listeners something else. If they like the podcast, what should they do, Guy? Ah, yes, yes. Please like it, review it, subscribe to it, share it, make, sh make people listen to it. <laughs> and we'd really appreciate it. So thank you very much. And Yeah, and we're expecting an email from Roy Keane anytime soon, right? I feel I feel I'm scared already. Okay. <laughs> anyway, right. thank you so much. Thank you again, Aziz and Aziz, and um, look forward to seeing you again next week, Francesco. Pleasure. Really pleasure to join yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Next Monday, our listeners, let's remind them we're we're gonna be back next Monday with a very yeah. cool episode as well. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. bye.